Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Care to expand on that? I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to the Oakway Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amarabi, and sitting next to my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. Show us some love and give us a five-star review. It is the season of giving. Uh, today would be, what, Boxing Day? Is that what that yes, is? Yes, it would be. And... Um, so big soccer day big soccer boxing, day boxing day yeah and uh, so yeah i mean it is what thursday now thursday yep. after christmas how yeah uh, did you get any how's your christmas did you get any good, good gifts? i got this nice festive uh, pullover that i'm wearing right here very comfortable fleece on the inside always dig that really comfortable uh Trying to think, I got some of those uh, buck naked underwear. Yeah, how's you that? Try those; they're wonderful. They're game changer. Game changer, huh? Game changer. Yeah, I highly recommend them. Um, and I got some socks, which once you hit thirty, you don't mind getting socks anymore. I love getting socks. Kind of like getting socks now. Yeah, it's weird how that works, but uh, yeah, good Christmas. How was your Christmas? Man, it was good. Um, I still have another Christmas to go. I guess you might say because because you have to do the whole family thing. Um. I was spent the Christmas with my mother and my stepdad Christmas morning. Then I had my Christmas with my fiance's parents. And then today I'm going to another Christmas celebration with my dad this evening. So lots of Christmases and lots of gifts and a lot of money being spent. Any uh, good food at any of the Christmases so far? Man, so I'm not a big fan of like, so I had ham yesterday for lunch, and that was great, you yeah. know. Uh, and then last night we had like this taco salad, which is actually pretty good. Uh, they like they actually made the old fried bread. And then um, tonight I'm not, I'm not sure what to expect. I hope it's Persian food. There you go. You know, but you know I, it's it's good, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We had uh, tamales from Ted's. I think that's maybe the best Christmas meal I've yeah, ever oh, had. Yeah, oh man, it sounds so good. You can't beat Ted's, especially for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Feliz Navidad. It's true, but man, we have a lot to talk about, and it seems like the LSU players have a lot to talk about too. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the game, heading into it. Got some quotes for you guys that some of you might enjoy, some of you might not like. I don't know. I've seen the body language of Kenneth Murray, and that doesn't look that doesn't look uh, promising for Joe Burrow's health moving forward in the game. And then um, got some stuff regarding some bowl prep, and then recruiting. So a lot of stuff on today's doc. We say it'll be. You know, like a short podcast, like every time, but it ends up always being an hour and 15, hour 30. So, just see how it goes. But Chick-fil-A Bowl, man, this Saturday, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 3 o'clock, ESPN versus the LSU Tigers. The line is still holding strong. 13 and a half right now. 13 and a half. And so... It was 14, but I bet it yeah. came down half a point because of bulletin board material. No, that's not true at all, but I don't know. It's been hovering around 14 the entire time. It has. It has. It's been 13 and a half, 14. Really didn't change much, too much anyways, even after the suspension. It went up a little bit. I, I feel like it was like hovering around 13. Now mm-hmm. it's 14. That's sounding. I think people were expecting a blowout regardless, so I don't think it really changed the matchup too much in the eyes of most people. So outside of this state, obviously. Yeah. And I've been getting like offers... To come on a podcast, I, I well, went look on, at you. I went, I went on the Corn Nations talking about it, 
And the reason one of the coronation, corn nation, corn nation, the, maybe for the coronation of the LSU Tigers, I don't know. But they uh, they went to talk to me, and in their email, they said, "Yeah, nobody's giving OU a chance, so let's talk about it." And then, you know, I just told you about the guy from ESPN Upstate that wants to talk about it, and I imagine they want to talk about how nobody's giving OU a chance, and really, no national pundit, unless you are Ocho Sam Ocho from ESPN is giving OU a chance in this game, and is that fair? Uh, I don't think it's completely fair just because I think OU's going to be so aggressive defensively from a schematic standpoint, and I think they have a chance to sort of muddy things up a little bit. I also think OU has a chance offensively to control possession a little bit. So I think this could be a fairly competitive game. I do still think LSU's going to win, but even with these suspensions... And with the injury to DTY, I, I do think OU can cover, at least. Yeah, I think they can cover. And I think I think it is fair to say maybe there's a lot of doubt going on in this game because you look at the games that they played in recently. I mean, if they don't make mistakes and they don't turn the ball over like crazy against Iowa State and they just win that game by three touchdowns like they should have, if they don't make that, they don't turn the ball over twice against TCU and they win that game like they should have, if they don't even have the dumb turnovers that they did in the Baylor game against in, in, in the Big 12 title game, and they just solidify, yeah, they messed up at Baylor. They still won that game. And if they just showed out and said, hey, you know, they were the dominant force like they were early on in that Baylor game, um, in the t- title game, I think OU would be catching less flack. But because down the stretch, you lose to Kansas State, you make it close against Iowa State. You make it close. Oh, you should have lost to Baylor the first time around. You win that one. You do, you physically dominate Oklahoma State, and then you play it close against TCU. And you outgain them by like three hundred yeah. yards, though. Rushed for three sixty six. The only reason that's even close to a game is because of those turnovers. So Iowa State, TCU, and Baylor Part Two. OU dominated those games, but because of some turnovers. On the offensive end from Jalen Hurts, really, it was up to him again, the fumble and the interception, and we're not going to talk about that, but it's just because the game ended up being so close in the end, I think they're paying the price nationally because, like, oh, OU's defense is not great or whatever. Like, well, OU's defense is put in very poor situations. Oklahoma's defense won the Big 12 championship, yeah. just straight up. Like, they knocked out the quarterback. I, I rewatched the game, and Kenneth Murray's closing speed is unbelievable and he and uh oh what's a what's a what's a quarterback's name at brewer charlie brewer at that point it was brewer he uh he got up wobbly very wobbly and i think he had suffered something on one of the previous hits from and Kenneth Murray. he well. still played for he a few did snaps. yeah he should have been taken and out he did eventually but you know i think the national criticism is fair but to say that they don't have a chance that's that's unbecoming i think that's ridic- a little ridiculous i think oh he does have a chance here I think they have a chance to come out and make a statement. And um, let's go to, like, Wolken, Dan Wolken talks about this in regards to talking with the players and talking with the coaches, and he said this. He says, The difference in demeanor and engagement with media couldn't have been greater between Oklahoma and LSU this morning. He said the Sooners players seemed like they wanted to be anywhere else, whereas the LSU guys appeared to be having fun, enjoying the moment. Now, to be perfectly clear... Wolken, a very short time after this, he had a 
followed up. Yeah, he followed up by saying that it's a possibility that it's because Oklahoma has been in this situation before, mm-hmm. and that's why their demeanor is this way, and it may not have any impact on the game whatsoever. So, to be fair to Dan, Dan has had some stinker takes before, obviously, but uh, to be fair, he wasn't too off base with all of this. He was just making an observation, but... Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair, and I, I think that's what immediately everybody was saying. Everybody said, well, I mean, LSU's very happy to be there, and nonetheless, the other three teams should be, be very happy to be there. But I think Oklahoma, the luster has worn off after you've been to four to the last five. You're not just happy to be there anymore. You want to win the damn thing, and they are taking a business-only approach to it. And not only are they taking a business-only approach to it, now the defense feels like they can do some stuff. And the offense now, now the offense feels disrespected, which is super turned around, right? Obviously. That's not the way it has been. It's always been the past three times with Baker and Kyler. Oh, man, can the offense keep up with the other offense and can they outscore? And now it's And to turned. a degree, it's fair as well. I mean, because Oklahoma's offense is schematically limited in what it can do because of Jalen Hurts's, you know, lack of arm talent and some of the things he can't quite do for this offense. But it's, I really do think they have a shot in spite of all of these things. I think they do too. And I think, I don't think Jalen Hurts is lacking skill. I think he lacks, how do I say this? He, He does lack the arm talent of his predecessors, obviously. Of course he does. Or what Lincoln Riley would like in his quarterbacks. No, I agree. So it's fair, but... And obviously, it's also him not being as polished of a passer. I think that's. I think that's part of it. I think. I think he doesn't completely trust him his arm abilities to throw over the middle. I think he does have it because we saw early in the season, but he doesn't have the arm ability to drop it in in a bucket like you've seen Kyler Baker or Joe Burrow that he's facing does. He doesn't have that ability. He he's shown that ability a couple times, and he he doesn't have the ability of his. the guys coming up after him either, you know, Rattler yeah. and Vandegrift. Those are guys who Lincoln Riley's going to mm-hmm. be able to trust to do whatever he wants with the offense. But this is one of those outlier seasons. Yeah. But it's incredible that Lincoln Riley's been able to make it work regardless. In a rebuilding season where you replace four of your offensive linemen. Of course, yes. And they're all drafted in the second through fourth rounds, the offensive linemen. You're replacing number one quarterback. Uh, you're replacing who's probably going to be the rookie of the year in the NFL. You're replacing... Um, Grant Calcaterra, who's very important, but you're also replacing, God, you're replacing so much from that team in that rebuilding Marquise year. Brown. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, gosh, you're replacing so many guys, and you're back in the college football playoff. You're still the number one offense in the nation. And, oh, by the way, your defense is playing really well. Now top 25 in total defense. Unbelievable. And they, they won the Big 12 outright. Yeah. On defense. That's... <laughs> You would have not... And, but, and, you know, in spite of these suspensions, I mean, in spite of the suspension of Ronnie Perkins, I still think this defensive front can have some success against LSU because of what they're able to do uh, rotation-wise. They're basically just moving LaRon Stokes over yeah. to Perkins' spot and letting Redmond stay where he is. That's still a very formidable defensive front. Definitely. And, and you know, LaRon Stokes, defensive newcomer of the year. The guy was homeschooled and had to go to Neo, and then he comes to OU, and they say, man, this guy's picking stuff up pretty quickly pretty yeah. good and then of course now you see what he is so it's it's really intriguing and then the lsu offensive coordinator mc m sminger that's m sminger m sminger had something really and really honestly the lsu offense was very complimentary of the ou defense m sminger said 
this might be the fastest defense we've faced. And I think I think that puts a smile on a lot of people's faces because speed D, that's there what they're all about. Like, you've seen that's their what pra- they're going for. You've seen their practice jerseys, and they literally have a patch on their practice jerseys that said speed D on it. Have you seen that? Yep. That's incredible. It's like they're work it's like they're working for somebody and they have like a little patch where they work at. Speed D is what it says. And he says, um, it's the fastest defense they'll face. M. Sminger said they can run. Their defensive line can run. Their linebackers can run. Their secondary can run. They present a problem with their speed. And then you go on to Jamar Chase. He, he said, and, you know, of course, a Blitnikoff winner. If C.D. Lamb is in out for so many games or he, he gets a little more chance like he has with Kyler or Baker, he probably wins it. But, I mean, how you're splitting hairs when you're talking about the best receivers in college football. Jamar Chase says, I've seen a lot of fast guys. I know maybe one or two of them are pretty slow. We just want them to feel our speed coming on the field. That's how we get open. And I don't think that's a slight, really. I don't think it is either. I think every defensive secondary is not going to be burners. You can look at LSU's defense. Not every one of those guys are burners. And I think he's just saying, hey, some of them some are pretty slow. And I think every Sooner fan would agree with that. Yeah, some of the defensive players are not running 4-4s. Trey Brown is not everywhere. You know, Pardo Motley is not everywhere. Jaden Davis is not everywhere. These are faster guys. Uh, Pat Fields is pretty fast on his own, but it's just really interesting because then you look at a guy like their linebacker, Patrick Queen, and LSU, and you look at these glowing remarks from the offensive guys saying, man, their defense is fast. It's going to be the fastest defense we've seen all year, and that presents problems certainly, which means they're probably going to run the ball quite a bit if they can because their running back is out, supposedly. He's out. Why would else would you? He why would else would you not say he's not out? But anyways, linebacker linebacker Patrick Queen says on the OU's offensive side of the ball, their O line's not great, running backs they're not great, and that they have a game plan devised to dominate them, and they're very they're very confident in what they've got. This just reeks of inexperience on his part. It does. It's it's someone who's never been in this situation like the Oklahoma players have. This is another thing that gives me a little bit of hope. It's just like both teams are coached to go out there and say great things about the other team. Like, oh, they're they're so good here. They're so good here. They're so good here. They're so good here. And you don't say negative things. That's stupid. You're very complimentary of all the other teams because you're in the cultural playoff A for a reason. You're very good. You don't get here by sucking. Well, okay. Oh, you got there one-sidedly in the past three times. But you don't get there by being awful. And... It's kind of flipped, isn't it? That now instead of like, oh man, their their uh, their defensive line, their secondary is bad. It's you're talking about the offense, the number one offense in the nation. Offensive line not great, running backs not great. We're gonna dominate them. I would if you would just stopped at the offensive line's not great. I would have been like, okay, yeah, they're they're not the greatest. They're not Joe Moore award winning offensive linemen. They're pretty good. Like they're, they're going one, to be very good next year. They're going to be great. Ne- they're going to be great and fantastic next year. But to act like, I, and I think maybe, I think maybe he came off a little like people are going to think, oh, he says the offensive line is not great. That means they're bad. I don't think that's what he meant. I think he means they're not great. They're good, but they're not great. The running backs, yeah, they're injured, and. Hi, you know, you know, like you lose your number one back in Trey Sermon early. Stevenson was your number three back, so you're left with Kennedy Brooks and T.J. Pledger, and then maybe a walk on or two because Marcus Major's out. 
Maybe Jeremiah Hall getting a few carries, unfortunately. But and so, and I think saying the running backs aren't great. Yeah, you don't have the because dy- I've been missing this all year. I wish OU had the dynamic playmaker like Joe Mixon or even a small JP Ryan, but Joe Mixon mostly. That guy's a dynamic playmaker to change games, and they don't have that at running back. So are they great there? No. Are they pretty good? Yes. And I think that's definitely probably what he meant. But to say we're going to dominate them, I feel good in what we've got. After the defensive performances you've seen them put out this year? What happened against Ole Miss? What happened against Vanderbilt? Texas, Vanderbilt, They're hanging Ole Miss, their hats Florida. on performances that they've made against Texas A&M and Georgia who have no offensive ingenuity whatsoever. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Alabama, largely, Alabama wasn't, weren't they in like a 21-point hole heading into halftime? Yeah. And then Alabama, like, they're hold, LSU's holding on for dear life to keep on winning, and Alabama drops 41 on them. And, of course, Alabama, they still have a good team. And Tua played on, like, half a foot. And they still put 41 on them? And you're going to tell me that, like, oh, we're going to dominate them after you have had no dominating? Like, th- this, it's unbelievable to me who LSU has dominated. You want to you talk about who LSU has dominated on the defensive side of the ball this year? Like, this, this is who they've dominated or held to less than 20 points. They've held uh, Georgia Southern to less than 20 points. Northwestern State to less than 20 points. Utah State to less than 20 points. Mississippi State. Um, they beat Auburn 23-20. to And they held Texas A&M to less than 20 points. And also Georgia, where the Georgia's offense is just bad. But even Arkansas scored 20 points on them. And they held tough a little bit for a minute. And just like, you're really going to hang your hat on dominating the number one offense in college football? I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense. If you would have just said, O-line's not great, running back's not great, they're good, but they're not great, I think everyone, would have been, everyone still would have been upset. They would have said it was fair, though. And I think, yeah, I think the people that are level-headed about it would have said, that's fair. But to say, we're going to dominate them. Gosh, like, Orgeron has to be speaking cuss words in Cajun right now. Like, why would I you say I do want to learn some Cajun cuss words. They, they sound like the normal ones. But this a little bit more redneck, and then I don't know. They go, might have like uh, go tigers at the like end. accent marks on it or something like yeah, that. Like, I don't know. You don't just say that, son. I'm gonna go tigers. You know, that's probably what Orgeron sounds like. Probably, but I don't. Kind of sounds like Cookie Monster. A little bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah, we need an episode of that. But it's just don't why 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 you know, and of course, you know what the right thing to do is right. You're going to approach an OU player with those comments. Of course. And so somebody asks Parnell Motley. Parnell Motley, man, this guy's had a fantastic turnaround this year. Wouldn't you agree? Of course, yeah. They bought into Alex Grinch. I'm so excited to see them year two. There's no Parnell Motley, but you you get Trey Norwood, who, by the way, is looking jacked because not able to run. Oh, let's lift weights. Um, and then you get Jaden Davis, and you get a lot of guys coming back along with Justin Harrington. Fantastic. Arnold Molly's asked about Patrick Queen's comments on his offense. He says, you know, uh, the question is, he said, oh, you also have offensive line not great. They're not great. They're expected to dominate. Arnold Motley says, I know they want to Joe Moore, but for a team that gave up the most sacks, and then he pauses, he says, I need to stop talking, man. It's crazy. 
I'm not going to do it. He didn't stop talking, though. And then he says, it's crazy. I've seen on film these guys get to the ball. They do a great job of, and then he pauses, I haven't seen their defense much, just seen them on TV. They do a great job of helping the offense. We know their defense don't keep as much as their offense like they're supposed to, but they do a great job in making up for the plays and the turnovers they do. Shout out to them. Uh, Shout out to the team. We'll see them on Saturday. Seemed like he bit for the bait a little bit there, but still, I like that attitude. It reminds me of uh, last year when Oklahoma, they were going, um, they had Alabama talking, and Quinn and Williams was about to say some dumb stuff. Quinn and Williams, by the way, though, is allowed to say whatever the hell he wants because he is a behemoth of a human oh, yes. being. Yes. The best defensive lineman in college football since Sue, probably. Yeah. And... Yeah, Sue and when Sue and McCoy were going at it, and that same how was an incredible 2009 for yeah. defensive lines in the I think Big Landry Twelve. Landry Jones threw five picks or something like that. Yeah, oh, that, that game was like eight or nine interceptions. It was a defensive battle between yeah. Sue and McCoy, and it's just why would you say that? And it reminds me of Quentin Williams when he was about to say something about the OU defense, and he just he just stopped. He bit his tongue, and they're like, "What?" And he's like, "No, nope, I don't want to talk anymore." And it's part of Motley. He kind of goes, like you say, kind of goes forward to the bait a little bit and says, you know what? I'm great teams. Yada, yada. And earlier in the quote, he says, we're supposed to say good things about the other team. That's what Coach said, pretty much. And it's just like, wow. Somebody, somebody has to get to this man. Or maybe Patrick Queen is going to get out here and be like, oh, what I meant was they're good. They're not great. And I, I, don't, I don't know how you recover from that. Regardless, OU's not short of bulletin board material. Would you say that's correct? I would say that's completely correct. It's just whether or not that's going to have any sort of impact on what happens on Saturday. Do you think it will? Oh, who knows? Probably not, but I think they've got enough motivation on their own just from not winning these past few years. I don't think much that happens or comes out this week is going to have much impact on it. I have a feeling that... Well, first of all, they told... I think this defense has just been motivated all year because of what's happened over the past few seasons, so I don't think anything that really comes out this week is going to have much impact. They told Kenneth Murray what was said, and um, he was just kind of... He kind of shrugged and was like, he was like, well, I guess we'll see him on Saturday. He just... He couldn't believe it, and then I saw the quotes this morning, and I thought, oh, God. Marquise Hayes is going to rip somebody's arms off and beat somebody with them on the field because if there's anybody that is short-tempered and has a short fuse, it's Marquise Hayes, and he's going to rip somebody's arms off. I think he has a shorter temper than Orlando Brown. I think he might. Oh, yeah, 100%. Shorter than uh, Cody Ford, too. I think him and Cody Ford are better on par. Yeah. This man... Like he he does not wait for trouble to come to him. No, he goes he is out the looking. Trouble. He, he is the trouble. He goes out looking for things to 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 fight. And you love that in offensive line. And I think that's something what this offensive line lacks. Creed's a little smart. He knows how important he is to the game. He's not gonna do anything dumb. Tyrese Robinson has a little bit of goon in him, like where he's an enforcer. He has a little bit of that in him because you'll see it from time to time. You don't really see it from the tackles. Proctor's a senior. He knows better. And then you have um, Ely. He's freshman. He's still not there yet. Um, Marquise Hayes. Oh, he's an enforcer, one hundred percent. Next year's offensive Ely's line. Ely's a sophomore, though. He's a true a redshirt sophomore. <clears throat> Is he? He's the same. Yeah, he was Sooner Squad seventeen with those guys. Oh gosh, I'm off then. But it's a. Uh, I think you'll see that 
goon mentality, enforcer mentality next year where they're just beating on people and they love it. Because you saw last year's group, the Joe Moore, man, they love to beat up on teams. And they, it was in any time OU plays any opponent, after the game you see an Instagram post from Marquise Hayes, it's like they didn't want none. Stop stop acting like you want some. So I feel like OU's got some some you know fights to pick, and I feel like OU's going to be a little more physical. I feel like OU wants to come out and just punch people in the mouth all la the 2013 Sugar Bowl. And I know that's weird to say, but I feel like they physically want to hurt LSU. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm looking forward to watching it, too. I think OU has a pretty good shot to win the game. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about bowl prep. We're going to talk about recruiting. Um, we'll send you guys to a break. We'll be right back. All right, Jack. So let's talk about the game, but let's get into more bowl prep first because I mean, all this stuff happens before the game. So Murphy's Law has essentially struck Oklahoma with full effect in regards to suspensions, some recruiting news from Jason McClellan, and then Delarian Turner Yale broke his collarbone just as the safeties were really coming on late in the season. He's, I think, Oklahoma's, I believe, Oklahoma's second or third leading tackler on the team, behind, of course, of course Kenneth Murray, who's just an animal. And it's just, that's not news you were hoping to get, of course. No, and this is, I mean, we've talked a lot about the, the suspensions, obviously, and Ronnie Perkins been dominant for the majority of the year he's obviously a huge loss but as far as the impact of a loss is concerned this is worse yeah because of what oklahoma's situation is at safety depth wise i feel like it's not even that close because of how you can rotate along the defensive line i still think the defensive line is going to be in pretty good shape for this game i mean obviously you're going to be missing ronnie perkins because he's so good but if they could afford to miss someone at any spot on defense, it might be there. So yeah, that's fair it's the say. exact opposite case at safety, of course. Like at linebacker, you can plug in Caleb Kelly. Uh, at cornerback, you have Jaden Davis. Um, you know, he's not the best, but you can still plug in Jaden Davis. He's someone with a plenty of playing experience. I mean, the defensive backs, we know that there's not a lot of depth there. That's the first thing that Alex Grinch said when he got to Norman. There's not enough depth at safety, specifically at Oklahoma. So now you get two Oklahoma boys back there, Patrick Fields, and now you have Justin Broyles, and it's just, you hate to see that stuff. Um, of course, you never like to see that stuff. It's just, what was it, a couple playoffs ago, Charles Walker was supposed to be OU's bell cow. Of course. And next thing you know, oh, he's got a concussion, he's not playing. He's like, are you kidding me? And then Delirium turning, you a position that you can't afford to lose somebody, broke his collarbone in practice. Like, ah, oh, God, like, and that's just, that's not a concussion. That's not him going too hard in practice. That's not a, That's not something that you can prevent. Just, just shitty luck. It's a freak accident. So it's unfair. And he said he's going to do everything possible to help the team. He's not going to play, of course. It's, I mean, my sister just broke her collarbone, and she has to go for a checkup in like two weeks. That thing takes over a month, and you do exercises. You can't just go out and play. He says he wants to play. You cannot do that. They're not going to let you buy either. So that's really crappy luck. Today you find out Laron Stokes is... Switching positions, instead of being inside, he's going to go outside a defensive end, and he, he expects to be on the field with Jalen Redmond quite a bit. So Redmond, as a reserve, formerly, now going to be seemingly starting. What do you think about that? I think it's fantastic. You still have great, accomplished players out there at that position who can create disruption. And Redmond, obviously, he was as good as uh, Ronnie Perkins was in that championship game. Jalen Redmond was just as vital. He was just as disruptive, maybe even more so at times. 
So with him being allowed to stay at that position and LaRon Stokes being able to move over to Ronnie Perkins' position, a place where he has rotated to in the past, I feel like, I mean, obviously, like I said, horrible news with Ronnie Perkins, but this could be a lot less smooth than it is. It, it's, yeah. I feel like the transition here really, it's not going to kill OU. That's why I don't I don't think this is as bad as the uh, injury to DTY. If there was any depth that Oklahoma had on defense this year, it was a defensive line. Yep. Now, is there a large drop-off when Neville Gallimore comes out with, with Overton and Falamatayu? Of course. Yes, there is. But honestly, Oklahoma has so many guys that they recruited for defensive end. you got Stripling. Yeah, you're you, going to see more got, snaps from Stripling, a guy yeah, who's a Redmond's. true freshman but is obviously physically ready. He came in physically ready. Yeah. And so you've got a lot of guys. And are they going to match Ronnie Perkins? No. Uh, are you going to miss Ronnie Perkins the first four or five games of the season next year? Yes. Very much. Um, especially during that Texas game if, if they don't advance past this first round. Um, but they can they can afford to lose a Ronnie. Okay, they can't afford to lose a Ronnie Perkins, but it's something that will hurt less than Dillard and Turner Yale's absence from the game. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And the players I thought was really interesting. They get a month off from the Big 12 title game, and they mentioned that this month off has been essentially fall camp part two and that they're going to see where they're at. And that's really intriguing to me because they said they are taking a totally different approach going into this part of the playoff than they have really under the previous three times they went to the playoff with Bob the first time and then Lincoln the other two times that they've taken a completely different approach to how they're playing this game out. And I'm really curious what that is. Like, what what do you think could possibly be changes that they're taking to this game? I'd say you might see them being even more aggressive defensively. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. Just because, I mean, no matter what, LSU's receivers have a major mismatch against Oklahoma's secondary. Uh So you might as well try to drum up as much pressure as possible to maybe at least have a chance of forcing some turnovers in there from time to time. Yeah, you got to get Joe Burrow uncomfortable. I think this might be the most aggressive you see Alex Grinch's defense all year. I would agree with that. Pretty close to it as far as blitzing and stuff like that, I would Mm -hmm. say so. I mean, the Baylor game, this last game, was pretty impressive on that front, and I think you might see a lot more of that in this one. And I think think part of it is going to be they need to be the aggressors because so often... You've seen Oklahoma. In the Georgia game, they weren't necessarily aggressive as much as they were for Ness. Um, and then, of course, the Alabama game, God, they were not the aggressors uh-uh. at all until maybe, like, the Kyler Murray took that big hit. And then the, the offensive line said, okay, we got to get our crap together. And that's when they started being able to do stuff. But, and then, of course, OU Clemson the first time around in the cultural playoff, they weren't the aggressors then either. And I think this time around, they got to think it's like the Texas game where they were just very aggressive physically and in their actions of play calling on defense and honestly on offense too. Because if you run on first and second down, you're going to get killed by this LSU defense. They might dominate you if you run on first and second down. You're going to have to pass on first down. You're going to have to have a, lot, a little more things that you haven't thrown out all year on first down. And so I think that's what they're talking about, fall camp part two. You got to be aggressive. Be fund- fundamental is what's most important here. Get the man to the ground. At first glance, at first touch, you have to get him to the ground because they've kind of lost that towards the end, but they regained it somewhat. And you just got to tackle better. Just got to tackle better. So let's talk about this game. Let's talk about when OU's on offense. 
let's talk about advantages in, in everywhere or the disadvantages or whatever. So when he's on offense, who has the advantage in the trenches? I'd say Oklahoma. You think so? I do think so, just because of how well they're <clears throat> gelling right now. They finally got that continuity. And LSU, from a defensive line standpoint, it's not the one that you've expected to see over the past few years mm-hmm. or past, you know, 20 years even. I mean, it's they're not the athletes that we're accustomed to. I, I really think this offensive line can have a little bit of uh, success and maybe help Oklahoma control the ball for a large chunk of the yeah. game which is how Oklahoma's going to have to play in order to win this game. They're going to have to control the ball. I think it's a little bit of a push. Um, they're not... Their defensive line is not as good as Baylor's, I don't think. No. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're far off. I think it's good, definitely going to be a challenge. I mean, they made it to the Big 12. They made it to the Big 12. They made it to the, com- the college playoff for a reason. Of course. Um, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just yeah, saying they're, they're not bad. the typical LSU defensive line. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think you're... There's no Quinn and Williams right here. And, um, and that's from Alabama, but you don't see the old LSU defensive linemen, but they're still more than formidable. Was it Caleb Vaughn, Chason? Yeah, um, he's fantastic. Uh, oh, you wanted him really bad. And then, um, you know, just a lot of guys over there. Um, but I think it's a push. I think OU will have its moments. I think LSU will have its moments. I think it's, I can't really say too much about it. What about when OU is on offense, the advantage at the skill positions? When Oklahoma's on offense, it's that might be a push just because of how good LSU's secondary is. Just with Grant Delpit and uh, Stringley, I mean, it's. I think it's a bit of a push. The matchup between C.D. Lamb and I'm sure they're going to put Derek over on him. They're so all it, coverage. It, it's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch, but I. I I I'd call it a push, with Oklahoma on offense. They will certainly roll coverage to C.D. Lamb. And you need somebody else to step up, man. Yep. Whether it's Jaden Hazelwood, Rambo, uh, Rambo, uh, Tr- not Trajan Bridges, uh, Theo Weiss, uh, Stogner, you need somebody else to step up on that side of the ball. And if they don't have it, I'm concerned. Um, I'll give it a push. You should say OU. You should it should be OU on offense, skill positions all the time. Uh, but I don't know enough about Jalen Hurts' confidence in his own ability to make that in OU's favor. So I'll go ahead with a push. I would say, go ahead, advantage in play calling when OU, when OU has the ball. The Sooners. Yeah, OU has. With Lincoln Riley, I mean, come on. I mean, that, Dave I Aranda. I would take Oklahoma, and Dave Aranda's obviously no slouch. Amazing. But, yeah. like, I, I'd take Riley over literally anyone. And I, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say. And Dave Aranda said, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here, and it's more than just a triple option team in a, in a spread package. I think he did, even though, say, it's kind of a triple option and a spread look, so it gives you so many looks and things to prepare for. And I think that's fair to say. I mean, we mentioned it's, like, not really a triple option as much as a wishbone in a spread offense with Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, there's like he said, there's a lot of things to prepare for. And they give you several different looks with the same concepts, and they can... With a quarterback that is level-headed, that knows how to make decisions, if Jalen Hurts comes out Saturday with ice in his veins, Oklahoma's offense will roll. I feel that 100%. Um, let's flip to the other side. When OU has the, when OU's on defense, who has the advantage in the trenches? I'd say straight up, it's probably a push. Having said that, as aggressive as Oklahoma's going to be defensively, sending extra guys, most likely, how... LSU's offensive line, they're good, but are they good enough to pick everyone up? 
in these situations. They and granted, they don't have Edward Zelaer at running back, who's great in pass pro. Yep. And so he's, that's he's going to be a major he's issue. He's been a big outlet for Joe Burrow exactly. this year. Exactly. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say a push just in general, but I think Oklahoma's defensive front can have success. And they're, they're going to have to, obviously, because the mass mismatch in the secondary is just formidable. So Give me advantage LSU in the trenches. They're, they won the Joe Moore Award. Yes, they're 77th in the nation and giving up sacks. So I think Oklahoma will be will be able to have some success, like you said, with Nick Benito and twists and stunts and blitzes from several places. Like you said, I think Alex Strange will be very aggressive this weekend. Uh, but I still think LSU has the advantage in the trenches. Um, you, you know, Gallimore has somewhat, you don't want to say he's faded from the beginning of the season, but he's still doing his job. People are just picking on him more often. They're spear, spearheading him. Well, now that Ronnie Perkins, what does that do for Gallimore even more? So that's kind of concerning. I think Oklahoma will still have some success, but I think LSU will feel a little more comfortable running the ball. Uh, so I give LSU the advantage there. What about advantage of the skill positions? LSU. Big yeah. time. Jamar Chase, right? Jamar Chase and... Uh, Joe Burrow's yeah. 78% completion percentage. Hello? Yeah. That's big. Jefferson as well. Jefferson's about as good as uh, as Chase is. I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's got 12,000 receiving yards on his own. It, it's incredible. Um, and... I would say that LSU has the advantage of the skill positions, too. I mean, you don't win the Bolitnikoff and then face... I'm not saying Oklahoma secondary is bad by any means, because but the last two seasons haven't given us a good indication. But a reason why Oklahoma secondary has been so much better this year is because they've been wreaking havoc with just rushing four guys. And now you lose an all-Big 12 guy in Ronnie Perkins? That's got to hurt. So you got to give the skill position battle to LSU. What about play calling? Ooh, with Grinch and well, LSU's offense has been so much better this year. And it's Grinch been so and Emsinger, it's that's a really fun matchup to watch. But this year. is that is that is Joe Burrow's play a product of Emsinger or is that just Joe Burrow? It's both. I think. I think Jamar Burrow, Burrow was sort of uh, finally unlocked this year. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Kind of like how Oklahoma's defense was unlocked this year. There yeah. was talent on that side of the ball. They just needed the right person leading them. Mm-hmm. Same with Burrow on offense. That's why this is going to be such a fun matchup to watch, I think. So you, but, give, you give an advantage to I give it a push. Okay. I think... Man, it's hard. Yeah. Give me... And it's it's hard, too, because the sample size is so small with both of them. It's basically just one season. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. This is kind of a cop-out, but it's how it's going to be. If OU... Hey, I went with a push. I copped out, too. Don't if worry about OU it. wins this Saturday... People are going to say 100% Alex Grinch was the much better play caller. And if OU wins on Saturday, it'll be because of the defense, not because of the offense. So if, if they get pressure on Joe Burrow and they they get him to turn the ball over once or twice or get them to put the ball on the ground once or twice because of the aggression, because I believe they're not, going to, they're not going to be conservative on defense. No. They're not going to Mike Stoops this thing up and drop eight guys 10 yards off the ball. You are not going to beat LSU by being conservative. And that's not how you take high-powered offenses out of their groove by being conservative. You line them up, you go eye-to-eye, press coverage sometimes, and you just dial up as much pressure as you can to make them feel very uncomfortable and to get Joe Burrow off his spot. Alex Grinch is going to send the house so many times, and he's going to get in their face. And so if OU wins, Alex Grinch is obviously the obvious advantage. And Alex Grinch, I mean, those guys... On the front seven, they know what they're doing, and they have simple calls. But, of course, if LSU wins, people are going to say, well, Alex Grinch, and if, Joe, if LSU wins big, I'm like, oh, man, of course. Their Emsbinger had a much better 
is a much better play caller, but it's just because it, this this is a cop. I mean, but it, it, it's it's justifiable as well. It's just I you're not wrong about any of this. Alex Grinch makes adjustments. He doesn't make them too late, and he sees what's going on in the game, and he's got players that they communicate easily. And you know, give me Alex Grinch advantage play calling. Okay, um, he's actually disguising blitzes from what we haven't seen in the past. He's getting pressure on the quarterbacks. He's giving them different looks every down. He shifts the offensive line, which some kind, sometimes our defensive line, which gives fits for opposing quarterbacks sometimes, and that's something Joe Burrow hasn't seen this year. So we'll see what happens. Um, but how do you see this game unfolding? What's the score? There are so many variables here, obviously. But, yeah. And that, that's a cop-out on my part, so, obviously. So, uh, the reality sets in Saturday. What happens? Ooh, I think OU covers. Okay. I think OU gets a lot of pressure on Burrow and forces him to make some mistakes, gets some sacks. I don't think it's going to be enough, though, and LSU's receivers are going to have enough big plays. I think LSU is just going to, I'd say LSU by 10. I'd say the final being, let's go 38-28 LSU. Okay, that's fair. And I think Oklahoma, they'll be able to keep pace with LSU for a bit. I think you'll see. I think this first half might even be pretty similar to OU of Clemson the first time around when OU made the playoff when the offensive line was very young, and OU might even hold a lead at some point. Um, but I think again, the absence of Ronnie Perkins will hurt the entire defensive line. I think OU's offensive line. I think they'll come out feeling pretty. I think they'll come out feeling pretty disrespected, and I think Oklahoma will be very aggressive on both fronts. I think that can get him into some trouble. I don't think Jalen Hurts has the arm talent to keep up, though. Uh, I just don't see it. And I think he might force a ball or two, and if he forces a ball or two, you just got to hope LSU can't run under that ball. Because uh, what you see in the second half of the year is Jalen Hurts, he forces balls where they just don't even belong. Like the Baylor Big 12 title game, like, what are you doing? Um, so with that said... I think as the game goes on, LSU pops off more big plays than OU does. Um, and I'm going to take LSU straight up, I guess, in a cover, 38-24 LSU. Uh, we were pretty close on that score prediction as well, what we think. And and again, this is not because I think OU is going to get beat down or anything. I think it will be a game. I think this will be maybe even a better game than Ohio State-Clemson. You can't tell Clemson because they haven't played anybody the entire year. But I think out of any of the other opponents between Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, this is the matchup you wanted because OU could possibly score on LSU and their defense has improved. Just it's really unfortunate that you have those suspensions on defense and then the broken collarbone. I think that if Ronnie Perkins was playing and playing and DeLarian Turner Yale didn't break his collarbone, I might be singing a t- different tune right now. Um, but of course, it is what it is. You move on, next man up mentality. So here's here we are. So should be fun though. I'm looking forward to I, it. I can't wait. I, I'm, it's, it's not like I'm like walking OU's casket to the game. Yeah, it's not like last year. Like last year, I mentally prepared myself for Oklahoma to lose to Alabama, and so I wasn't really upset after it happened. I, yeah. I was perfectly fine and level headed this year. I'm kind of upset that I have a glimmer of hope. I really do have a small glimmer of hope this year. Yeah, because, I mean... Not as much as hope as I had when they played Georgia. I thought Oklahoma could legitimately beat Georgia two years ago. And it didn't happen, obviously. And that was 
Maybe one of the most painful losses I've ever oh, yeah. felt from a football perspective. Like as That's far close as to Boise. The, it was worse than Boise because there was so much on the line in this one. But yeah. um, I have a glimmer of hope. Yeah, because OU versus Clemson, the first one they went to, I thought there might they, they have a chance the offensive line is young. And, of course, in the second half, Clemson decimated the offensive line. Uh, I didn't really think OU had a big chance, but I said, well, if they had Baker, they might have a good chance. Baker and Sterling, they always have a chance. And then, of course, it didn't work out. Against Georgia, I thought, oh, you should win. They got they have the most talented offense ever, maybe, period. Didn't work out in the end, as we've seen. They should have won. Um, Alabama, <laughs> it had to be, oh, he's got to outscore Alabama. And it yeah. came down to, can they get one more stop to at least tie this game up? The defense couldn't. Um, OU wasn't really expected to win that game either. This game, I was hoping for Clemson, for not Clemson, I was hoping for LSU. And I felt like OU could do some stuff against them. And uh, we'll see. I think OU's got a shot. I think it could, can be a real good chance to win the game. I think if it gets to the fourth quarter, which one of these teams is battle-tested against good teams in the fourth quarter? It's OU. If they get to the fourth quarter and this thing is relatively close, I think OU can win this game. And I might expect them to win this game. Um, so it's not like I'm walking this team to the casket, walking them to their grave. I think they've got a good shot to win. But the chips have to fall, and they have to play aggressively, and they have to have a couple things go their way. Let's talk some recruiting a little bit. Now, there's a rumor, and there's a lot of smoke coming from this, that not just one, but two guys have signed their letters of intent to play for the University of Oklahoma in football. I would say that one of them would be possibly Reggie Grimes. And this is nowhere near 100% sure, but these are the most likely candidates. Reggie Grimes, he's already committed. He's thrown out signals saying he's 100% committed to OU. And there's some stuff behind like why he wouldn't sign because like something about his grandparents and not being able to be at a signing. So maybe he pushed it off because of that. I don't know. Um, but Reggie Grimes is certainly a, a name to keep an eye on. And then Chandler Morris, he's going to announced at an all-star game, as we've seen Jaden Hazel would do it. You've seen Nick Bonino do it. Bookie Radley Hiles. Bookie Radley Hiles. We've seen this in Oklahoma, and Lincoln Riley's cool with that. Um, so I would keep it on Chandler Morris. I don't, despite his father going to Auburn, it wasn't like any love was lost. I feel like he still felt comfortable with the Sooner staff, which is great. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on those two. But a name one would talk about recruiting is that's picking up a lot of speed for the Sooners running back slash athlete slash speedster, Corey Wren out of New Orleans. And it's not just the Sooners in on him either. I mean, Texas and USC offered shortly thereafter. Yeah. And he's a former Georgia commit. From what I understand, it wasn't a grades thing. He got pushed out. He's an athlete. They wanted him to play wide receiver. He wants to play running back. He's a speed demon, 4-3-1-40. Remember when, like, on Madden, that a 4-4 was like 98 speed, and then they had to create something. They had to create the level of speed at 100 for Devin Hester because he ran like a 4-3-5. <laughs> yeah. And now you have this guy almost running a 4-2-9, sub 4-3. This guy is like Tyree Hill or Tyreek Hill. Um, just unbelievable speed and and a perfect complement to the back you already have in your backfield in this class and Seth McGowan more of a uh, straight ahead guy yeah because you you lose McClellan you did lose McClellan and obviously that's not good but it's something that you could afford to 
happen, I but guess. At the same time, so like definitely use you lose McClellan. That's big, but it's not like McClellan and Seth McGowan were totally different styles of runners. Yeah. McGowan reminds me of one hundred percent Rodney Anderson. The way he runs, he gets down low, pad level's great, he keeps his body moving. And he, honestly, McClellan is not a Joe Mixon guy. He really isn't. He's kind of a Trey Sermon guy. And he just keeps on running and he's not a dynamic athlete. You know, and nobody sees nobody sees like a Joe Mixon guy that often. That's why he was a five star. Corey Wren, he's not six foot. He's five nine. He's one seventy. He's a jitterbug. But the guy can fly. Unbelievable. And that that'd be that'd be in a unique backfield, and you'd see him definitely splitting out wide course, if, we, yeah. if you were to commit to OU and because OU offered him, and uh, suddenly, like you said, USC, Texas are in on him. OU's got a couple other names they're in on, but man, they're really going hard after a Corey Wren. And I think he's giving Oklahoma an official, and I think he's going to give Arizona State an official. I don't even think he's going to give USC and Texas the light of day, which is good for the Sooners. Yeah, of course. Uh, running back, running back. Uh, Recruiting for Oklahoma has not been nothing short of excellent for their entire history. So you can sell them on that and just sell them on a lot of other things. You know, it's Oklahoma. It's the running back situation. We might have two to three guys gone after this year. We don't know what Trey Sermon is going to do. We don't know what Kennedy Brooks is going to do. You could have Pledger and Marcus Major next year. No clue what's going to happen in that defensive in, in that in that running in that running backfield. You don't know. So keep an eye on Grimes. Keep an eye on Morris, but man, Corey Wren, that guy's fast, and that's definitely a name I'd be looking out for if I was a Sooners fan. And though he's on the, he's a three-star kid, that's the name to be excited about should he eventually commit to the Sooners. But man, I'm excited for bowl games. Bowl games today, they're not really that hot. No. We talked about it before we got on here. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Miami is so thrilled to be playing a game in Shreveport the day after Christmas. I, Gosh. I'm, I, I, I'm taking Louisiana Tech with like some decent confidence points as yep. far as that game's concerned. Just because Miami, there's no way they are even close to wanting to be there. It's true. I do like Shreveport, but I'm guessing Miami's players don't like Shreveport. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, today's games suck. They're not good. We talked about it before we got on here. No, but tomorrow's games. Not bad. You got OSU, the Aggies, Aggies versus Aggies, yep. A&M versus OSU, uh, USC, no, or USC, USC and Iowa. And Iowa. That's, a, that's a good game, too. And then another one is Washington State Air Force. I'm always down for Mike Leach, seeing him. Talk about an incredible battle of contrasting styles. Yeah, right. Air Force and Washington State, Air Raid versus we're sticking on the ground only, yeah. which is interesting because the Air Force. Ah, yeah. Very ironic. Very ironic there. And then, of course, Saturday's bowl slate is incredible with Oklahoma. Not the end game, but right in the middle there. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. But what are your plans for this week? Going to Aishans on Friday night. I haven't been to Aishans in nearly man. 10 years. Solid. I am so excited. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, obviously, their chicken. Yeah, of course. Or do you like light meat or dark meat? Give me dark meat. Me too. More juicy. Yeah. And the fried okra is the bomb. Aishans is wonderful. Frito chili pie. Got to do it. I haven't had a Frito Chili Pie since I was like 13. Have you had the Frito Chili Pie wrap at Sonic? I have not. So good. I need to go try it. Go do it. Dude, I haven't been to Sonic. Like, Okay, I've been to Sonic to get drinks. I haven't been to Sonic to eat food in, in a like minute. Yeah. five years at least. 
I'm, I'm on this Frito Chili Wrap kick. I don't know. I don't know what that's what it's actually called, but that's basically what it is. I gotta check it out. It's pretty good. Anything else you're doing this weekend? Ooh, watching football. Football. Same as the game. And man, it's coming to a close, and I'm really sad because I don't want to watch like is what what is because what is there left after the football season besides the Super Bowl? Well, you have the XFL. Hmm. There you go. I I found out that Jalen Saunders is in the XFL yep. by a. Video. I Disappointing that Royals it. is no longer doing the whole thing. Yeah, he's expecting sad. a kid, so it's very justifiable that he's not wanting to do and that. And I saw that he that. owns his, he signed on his 50th, 50th house. Dude's making moves. Real estate. Yeah, and he's got the porch, obviously, in Norman, which is a fantastic establishment. Runs it very well. Yeah. He's always in there shaking hands. He's a, he's a good dude. Love it, love it. But I, oh, I forgot about the XFL 2020. Landry Jones, man. The greatest quarterback in Oklahoma. Just kidding. He put up the most stats. <laughs> Did Red Dirt Sport just hack your spot there? Yeah. Yeah. Red Dirt Sport. Because he put up the most stats, but people akin stats to greatness, and that's not necessarily true. A la uh, C.D. Lamb, and uh, he got snubbed from the bullet in the cough. But yeah. hey. C.D. Lamb's the best wide receiver in OU history. In OU history. And I had people will say, well, Brian, Ryan Burles didn't get hurt. Like, stop, I agree with that. Stop but looking at CD stats. C.D. is more... Complete. He's the most complete receiver the school's ever seen. Stop looking at stats. The man the is... The most NFL-ready receiver the school's The most NFL-ready. He has... More than Malcolm Kelly. He's got the most skill. He's just there. And when people say, like, well, who does Jaden Hazelwood remind you of? CeeDee Lamb. A better version of CeeDee Lamb. Possibly. <laughs> and, we, and it's just... Hazelwood is going to uh, break the world. I think once when he's he, finally unleashed. When Rattler unleashes him. Yeah, it's going to be When the offense crazy. has the cap taken off. With Weiss, too. And Stogner. Next year's offense, with the cap taken off, is going to be unbelievable. And they're all going to be yeah. freshmen and sophomores. It's, oof. Yikes, dog. That's what I'm saying. This team is going to be way better next year. In the defense. The defense is going to have more depth. Returning more eight quality to nine depth. guys. Oof. It's a lot to look for for next year, but right now, man. I'm not, I'm not calling a natty. I'm calling a natty in 2021. I'm saying the win- I'm not. I'm not calling it for next year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win a playoff game next year. The the official official gap, the official window for Oklahoma to win a national title is opening next year. Opens next year, but the official window for them to get and win that thing, I feel like because I feel, I feel like the official window is open for them to win it next year. Mm-hmm. But I because Trevor Lawrence showed you that they can do it in his freshman year. But I feel like the official window. 2021 to 2023, it's duck hunting season for OU, and they will be there probably two out of three years. I feel really good about what happens. If the coaching staff stays intact, of course. And even if not, you're going to have the pieces. You'll have the pieces. But, man, I'm looking And I'm guessing to Oklahoma in that event, which I don't think that event will come, but in that event, I would imagine that they would focus on sustaining what they have schematically. Mm-hmm. So, And you've got some great matchups coming in the next couple of years. I mean, the rekindling of the rivalry of Nebraska 2021 at home and in Norman. And Tennessee is looking a little bit better now. I mean, that game next year is going to be fun. I mean, I'm expecting a blowout, but I mean, yeah. it's not like the UCLA series over the past two years. Tennessee's at least going to be a bowl team. Like, they play LSU soon. They play Michigan soon. They've got a lot of Well, they teams. might play LSU soon. LSU keeps backing out. Yeah. They should have they should play at LSU this year already. Yeah. But, yeah. But, man, that's all I got. You got anything else? I think I'm good. All right, guys, well, go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Jack just posted, in the middle of the podcast, the links for you guys. And it's a lot of good things. 
for you guys to read all the time. A lot of good angles, a lot of funny people, a lot of sarcastic people. Really always appreciate the guys that we have on staff. Um, follow Jack on Twitter at CC Machine or at J Larry Shields. I'm Kamarabi and CCM. Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. Just anybody else on the staff, just go ahead and give them a follow. They're great dudes, great writers, a lot of good insight. Uh, again, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you guys can get a podcast. Really appreciate you guys for listening and bringing home the new year. And that's it.